Father, I want to ask that you would uh, come now by the power of your Holy Spirit and breathe, Lord, into the words that David has been chewing over and wrestling with for us this week. Father, would you breathe life into what you've laid on his heart? And Father, would you give us open and receptive hearts and ears and minds, Lord, willing to receive what you might say to us today. For we pray this in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good morning, everybody. Good morning. We're continuing this morning to look at uh, a passage from Luke's Gospel. We, on our Sunday morning series at the moment, are looking at different passages from Luke's Gospel. And in this gospel, indeed everywhere in the scriptures, but in this gospel in a very focused way, you see the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. And alongside that, you see how the word of God, the teaching of God, the the scriptures shape men and women for real discipleship. And this morning we're moving into the first uh, 11 verses of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and I'm beginning to read at verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that is, in on Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word... I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful Man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. And followed him. Lord, I pray that this morning your word would be our rule, your Holy Spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our only concern. Amen. So it's a really well known story. It's tabled or called the story of the miraculous catch of fish. The scene is this that Jesus is surrounded by people there. They're pressing in on him from every angle. It's 
actually overwhelming. It's uncomfortable. It, it would have went against all the health and safety regulations uh, of, of today. So it's a, it's a scene where, where, where the crowds are pressing in on, on Jesus to hear his teaching. And it's happening beside a lake. It's the Lake of Genazareth. It's a lake that's also called, maybe better well known to us, as the Lake of Galilee. So it's not a cathedral. It's not even a converted warehouse into a vineyard-type congregation. It is neither choir stalls, nor screens, nor organs, nor pews, nor soft chairs, nor nice music in the background to create an atmosphere. It's an open-air space where the crowds are simply pressing in on Jesus, crushing in actually on Jesus in order to hear the Word of God. That's in itself a challenge, that there's just that incredible desire among the crowds, among the people, among the multitude, among the men and the, the women of all ages, probably children as well, that they're crowding in to hear the Scriptures, to hear the Word of God, to hear the teaching of Jesus, to hear this rabbi, this Christ, this Jesus teach them. We read in verse 1, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing on, in on him, to hear the word of God. That's why they were pressing in on him. He was standing by the lake of Genazareth. People wanted God's word. There was a hunger for God's word. There was a desire for God's word. Something that there's a famine of, quite truthfully, in our society today and even in our church today. I long, I long that there would be a desire in the church for the Word of God, like what we see in these verses, where the people would be pressing in to hear the Word of God. I long that that would be true of this little congregation here, of you and of me, of Willowfield Church, that there would be a longing, a, a desiring, a desiring for the Word of God. It is about desire, actually, and it is about longing and wanting and desiring and hungering and reaching for and going after and prioritizing and wanting above all else and without thought setting other things to one side in order to hear the Word of God. More about that later. Then in these verses there's Jesus' desire, his own desire not to allow weariness or inconvenience in any way to hinder this opportunity for him to bring the people the Word of God and to bring God's Word to the people and the people to the Word of God. 
He's not going to allow the circumstances of the, the crowds or the situation or the, the physical space to get in the way. He, he does this remarkable thing of actually getting into a boat, pushing the boat out a little bit from the shore, creating a pulpit with a bit of water between him and the people so that he would be able to preach and teach the Word of God. We shouldn't be those who kind of sit about waiting on the circumstances to all be in place before we begin to make God's Word known as a church. Friends, the task is far too urgent for that, to wait till all the ducks are in a row to get on with the job. It's far too important for that. There's a task that's an urgent task. And there's a task that the church just needs to get on with, and that is making the Word of God known in all its fullness. We may not be able to do all that we want to do in the task. We may not have all the resources that we might long that we would have to do the task, but we need to get on with the work. We need to roll up our sleeves and do what we can with what we can. Old Bishop Ryle, a couple of hundred years ago, said this, let us work with such tools as we have. While we are lingering and delaying, souls are perishing. It is the slothful heart that is always looking at the hedge of thorns and the lion in the way. Where we are and as we are, in season or out of season, by one means or by another, by tongue or by pen, by speaking or by writing, let us strive to be ever working for God. Let us never stand still. There needs to be something of that sort of desire and passion in the church of God and among the people of God in particular in our day and in our generation. Jesus just gets on with the work. On one occasion we read in verses 1 and 3, while the crowds, or the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So two challenges this morning at this point. How much do we really hunger for the word of God as the people of God? How much do we really desire the Word of God. How important is it really to us to obey the Word of God? At what level is it our priority in today's world, in today's society, in today's liberal culture to obey the Word of God? It's a challenge for the Christian and for the church today. After 18 years in Willowfield, I know that there are those who really love the Scriptures and love God's Word and who seek earnestly and humbly to do what the book says. They will read it. They will obey it. For those who fall into that category, it is God's Word 
It is over and above every other word. The psalmist said, I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The Bible is not a book to be sort of avoided because it might challenge us or disturb us. It's not a book to be sidelined, but rather it's the word of God to be obeyed. Others, and I wish I could say otherwise, others sit lightly to God's word. And it's not always the new believers or the young Christians or a younger generation. But it's oftener, truth be told, I think, people of my generation in their 50s and in their 60s who choose to sit lightly, regardless of what age we are, the word of God is the word of God. The word of God that we're not just to study, but uphold. And it is about desire. It is about what we desire and what we long for. When I was converted a long time ago, I was taught within hours that I needed to read the Word of God, the Bible. I needed to get to know it, and I needed to do what it said. I was taught within hours that I needed to prioritize the prayer meeting. I'd never been to one in my life. I didn't know what one was. And I turned up, and they were all 50 years older than me, quite literally. But I was told I needed to be there, and I, I, I was pointed to the scriptures, and it was explained to me why I needed to be there. I was taught from the very, very beginning within hours that I needed to set aside a tenth of what wasn't a very big income at the time, and that that was for the work of the local church. As time went on, those things that I was taught were normal, became normal. But you know something? They also need to be undergirded by a desire to actually give God glory and give God praise and see God's kingdom come and see lives transformed and please and honor and love and obey Jesus who is perfect in all his ways. So are we teachable? What's our heart's desire as followers of Jesus? Are we really disciples of Jesus Christ? The word disciple means a learner. Verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. They wanted to learn. Moving on. These verses are incredibly challenging. The next bit challenges us around what it means to be a Christian disciple and for Christ to be at the center of every aspect of our lives. And they serve as a reminder to us that Jesus is interested in every aspect of our lives 
and being a disciple and being a Christian and saying we're a follower of Jesus and wanting to be a Christian is all about bringing Jesus into the center of every aspect of our lives and obeying him in every aspect of our lives. Now, Jesus' background was woodwork. Okay. He was a carpenter. He had moved from being a carpenter to being a rabbi or to being a man that was now declaring the the whole counsel of God, the, the purposes of God, the word of God. And he tells Simon, the fisherman, how to fish. Did you ever stop to think about that? That really struck me this week. Simon's the expert in fishing. Jesus is the carpenter. He knows how to hammer a few nails into a piece of wood. He's the preacher. But here he's telling the fisherman how to fish. Because when you and I go into our work situation in the morning, or when we go home to our families, or in our marriages, or in our tallying of our bank balance or whatever, Jesus actually needs, if we're disciples of Jesus and followers of Christ, to be brought into every aspect of our lives. When he had finished speaking, verse 4 to 6, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. And here's the key, but at your word, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Jesus knows more about Simon's job than Simon knows. Jesus knows more about fishing than Simon, the fisherman par excellence, knows. And friends, I'm a fool and you're a fool if we leave Jesus the Christ out of any aspect of our lives. We're actually fools to do that. Because it's for our good that we bring him into the center. We need his wisdom. We need his guidance. We need his presence. We need his strength. We need his pardon and his forgiveness when we mess it up. We need Christ at the center of every aspect of our lives. And he will, if given that space, make holy, make holy every aspect of my life and yours. His word will bring conviction and and, and show me where I'm out of kilter, where I'm out of step, so that I can begin to bring my life more in step with the word and with the will and with the purposes of God. His Holy Spirit will bring presence and comfort and strength to every aspect of our lives and His Spirit will strengthen us to live this life of love and desiring and obeying in the workplace, in the home place, in our marriage, in our finances in our business, wherever it happens to be, his spirit will enable us. Here's a little question for us this morning. 
Are you up for allowing Jesus to interfere with your life? Are you up for allowing Jesus to interfere with your plans and with your life? To interfere with your job? To interfere with your career? To interfere with your home and with your leisure and with your time management and with your marriage, with whatever, are you willing for Jesus to interfere and bring his word and his correction and his way to bear upon my life and yours? Jesus would come into every aspect of our lives. He has a rightful place to reign in our lives, not just on Sundays, not just in our church affairs. You see, where we've got it wrong and how we've done church for generations is that we feel we can add the God bit on to the rest. That we can add the church bit on to all the other bits of life. But actually, it's about bringing Christ into every bit of our lives. These words are so wonderful. They're actually so liberating. They're so, so liberating because we get then to live our lives under his lordship. And we get to do his purposes and do his will. And the result, verses 6 and 7, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. The result of bringing God into every aspect of our lives, the result of living a life that is led and ruled by the Holy Spirit of God, that is lived under the Obedience, lived in obedience to the word of God is that we begin to live a fruitful life. Not necessarily an easy life, but a, a fruitful life. And what we see here is that we've got to do it together. They need the help from the other boat. They need the boys in the other boat to come and help them bring in this large catch of fish that they've now managed to land into the boat. We need one another. You need me, and I need you. If we're to actually bear fruit and really live fruitful lives for Jesus Christ, you need one another. You need to live this out in a context where you're vulnerable and able to receive support and encouragement from others and offer it to others out of a life that desires above all else to be lived out for Jesus Christ in obedience to the whole word of God with all the strength and enabling of God's spirit. Finally, obeying Jesus, living this life as a disciple doesn't puff us up or cause us to become self-righteous because all our righteousness, all our good works are like filthy rags before him. The road to maturity we see here is the path of humility. 
But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. It wasn't, I'm a great fisherman. Look at all the skills. Look at the size of this one. It wasn't like that. It was, look what God has done. Look what God has done. Look at who God is. And you find Peter here on his knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In a conversation with someone this week past, I made a little comment that afterwards I realized was only half the truth. I said to this friend, it was in a text actually, we were talking about how at the end of the day I said, you know, all we have is Christ. All we have is Christ. When it comes to the very end of our, of our lives, when it comes to the very end of our journey here on earth, when we come to the end of ourselves, all we have is Christ. I forgot the second half. All we need is Christ. All we need is Christ. Christ in all the hope of glory. Peter's, you know, Peter's quite a, a young follower here. It's, it's early on in Peter's journey. He would fail later and he would be restored. Later on, he would be an eyewitness to the death and to the resurrection of Jesus. Later on, he would be there on the day of Pentecost and he would be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and speak in tongues and he would be sent out then to heal the sick to preach the gospel, to plant churches, all the things that the church then and now needs to be getting on with because that's the business and the work of the kingdom. He would die a martyr's death, but at this moment, it's, it's, it's early days for Peter. But he was in a place of humble dependence upon God. And for you and I to live lives of fruitfulness, it will be always about humble dependence on God. It will always be about purity before God. And it will always be about repentance and trust in God. Humble dependence on God, purity before God, dependence and repentance and trust in God. Jesus said to Simon, Verse 10 and 11, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything. To follow him. Are we in a place where we might even desire this morning to so position ourselves before God that we would be those who would be willing to leave everything in terms of what it means to be an obedient disciple.
a man or a woman who lives in obedience to the word of God, who loves the word of God, who is totally reliant and dependent daily upon the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. What about my desiring and your desiring this morning? Because we can't jump forward to the point of leaving everything to follow him until our hearts are changed by him. Please stand. Let us pray.